This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. All right, Jerry Mace, the Kick and Lawyer, we're live for another Law Talk. Uh, I apologize, last week, if you missed us, uh, we had my brother and I, Josh, our dad, ended up in the hospital, and so he's fine, he's home now, but uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to get a podcast up for last week, so thanks for bearing with us. As always, if you haven't, make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the content. We're on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, etc. Also, we're on TikTok. It's where you can watch Josh do all those dances. All the best dances. Yeah, it's a lot of fun on TikTok. (laughs) Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you download Wonder Girl. It's free on Spotify, iTunes, but from NA the band. Uh, it's, again, their album, I think, is dropping February 14th. Isn't that Valentine's Day? Yes. And it's free, so no reason to not go check that out. And then Michelle Allen's been a longtime sponsor of the show. If you're buying, selling, renting, leasing real estate, she's glad to help you. She can also guide you towards other professionals in the area. She's uh, well-liked and known and can help you. Mason's High Octane Martial Arts should be relocating in the next two weeks to a bigger location, but it's located here in Covington since 1993 or 4, I forget now the year. We're coming up on 30 years, so whatever that means. Yeah, a long time with that business. And then, of course, the Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar is located off the square here in Covington. Hoping hoping to open our second location in Somerville around April, May this year. But the one in Covington is open at 4 p.m. every day. Great food, great drinks. Come visit us at the Cellar. And then Masonite Digital Marketing, Josh is glad to help you with your brand, online presence, social media posts, websites, etc. So with that all out of the way, I have one of my good friends I really enjoy talking with off the air too, Mr. Brandon Armstrong. How are you, Brandon? I am magical. So we were just talking a minute ago before uh, we came on that on TikTok, if you guys look at TikTok, I have a lot of videos that Josh has thrown up there. There's one of them, though, where we went to your classroom there. Um, I forget the name of the program. The, what, what Capstone. The, Capstone. And uh, I was just randomly ranting <laughs> with the kids. And that one video, I mean, I guess I don't know what qualifies as viral or not. It's got over 350,000 views. I don't know if you've seen the video or looked at the comments. What's funny to me, though, is like, What we were talking about was a pretty serious topic, you know, on whether or not people that, even if you know they're guilty, if they're entitled to a defense. And the kids, I enjoyed their feedback. They were very honest and open about their thoughts, and I I think that's great. Um, And, you know, anyway, the, the comments, though, would range from, you know, pro or con the argument, which is fine, to the majority of them were crapping on my hair or talking about how I said voir dire. It's, it's actually Vordier. It's like French Vordier, I think. And I said Vor... What did I say? Vordier. I think that's how I said Vordier, it. Yeah. yeah, and man, they're just dogging on my pronunciation of it. <laughs> Who's in the comments? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's somebody <laughs> in somebody's basement, people. I'm sure. I but... wouldn't have known anything different. Yeah, man. yeah. That's and they why. even commented on one of your students that's behind me. They comment on people around you. I mean, it's like a thousand comments on there. Uh, I quit looking at all of them, but it's just random how that works, you know. And that's the that's the the, the magic of uh-huh. social media is yeah. that when you capture something on video and you get it like that, now you get a chance to comb through every detail yeah. 
of everything around you, you get to point out a kid or a hair or something like yeah. that. Yeah, what's crazy is we'll have TikToks we put a lot of thought into that actually like I, yeah, I actually nobody work watches. on, and then nobody watches. And then mm-hmm. that was one I just kind of randomly threw up, yeah. and then that was the one that got three hundred. Well, all of the ones that we started to get traction on were just really random because mm-hmm. normally what'll happen is once or twice a week Josh will, will set time for me and him to meet and uh, film like twenty minutes of TikToks, and so he'll usually have a, some topics. We film them, and then he does whatever with them during the week, and that's it. I'll usually forget what we've even talked about, and then he drips them on, on TikTok. Yeah. So it's just so random which ones pop up. One thing I did want to talk to you about, though, um, The Go-Giver. Mm-hmm. So I got the book okay. right after I talked to you. Right. I read the book. I've read it. I even started – I don't know if I told you this, but I started a book journal this year. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of myself. Wow. Where my goal was to read 50 books this year, start to finish, right? Yeah. Which is doesn't sound insurmountable. Well, I'm at 12 already, so I'm thinking that I might be able to beat that significantly. Uh, but the Go-Giver is one of them. Well, yeah. the way I've been doing it, though, so this, this is what I've learned. For Christmas, I got a Kindle, okay? And I didn't know if that'd be good or bad because I thought it might be wasteful because i got to carry two things around. But what I found is it feeds this addiction that yeah. I have when I'm on the Kindle because it's electronic. Also, because I'm so ADD, I always read five or six books at a time. And on the Kindle, it's much easier to switch between them because you just click over and open that book up, right? And then the third thing that's really helped is uh, I didn't realize this till I got the Kindle, but Kindle syncs with Audible. Mm-hmm. So if you have the book on Audible too, I can be driving, listening to the book. Then if I'm on the elliptical, I'm reading the book. If I'm at night in bed, I'm looking at the Kindle. So I, I'm just not wasting any time Wait, on reading it, books. Does it keep up with uh, where you're at? Yeah, the, well, the Kindle and the, the Audible sync. So if you're reading on the Kindle and you get to some wherever, page 400, 300, whatever, and then you go to Audible, it syncs and knows where you were at and starts off where it left off. Good. Huh. That's cool. mm-hmm. So i got to know, if you're journaling, uh-huh. what's the big standout from the go-giver? Well, so yeah, I'm finished with it. That's what that's what I wanted to talk to you about, though, because I struggle with some of the principles in it. Mm -hmm. Because I get it. I mean, I get what he's coming from. It's not a religious book, but a lot of the principles are similar to Christian principles. I think, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, and I didn't research the author, so I don't know if he had a hidden agenda there or not. But it's you know you get you get what you give type thing. I did like the end where you have to be open to receiving. You know, that, I think that's important. But I was like, I would struggle the same way. Uh, what was the lead character guy's name? Um, Joe. Joe. I would struggle the same way that Joe did with Pender's advice on, uh, you know, like at the very beginning when he gives away business. Yes. You know, he refers the so, business out. So for audience so people that may be watching, they don't know what the book's about. What's it, What's like the summary of it? it it's basically a, and, I, and, and since you're kind of the guru on it, you can elaborate but it's basically a uh what do you call it a parable about joe this guy who initially is trying to get a leg up in his business he's trying to get this contract and then he's he seeks out this business consultant guy named pender who then introduces him i think it's five to five different folks four or five folks that are specialists really in certain areas and all of the chapters at the beginning of the chapter when he meets the person normally he doesn't realize that's who he's talking to it's like the girl bringing the coffee or the uh, the the one, the guy that, that runs the Italian place. Uh, I think it was Italian place. Ernesto. Yeah, Ernesto. Mm-hmm. That they, they, they don't really fit his idea of what this successful person is. And then there's a lesson gleamed from it that he has to immediately use. Um, anyway, so is that a rough yeah, estimate? Yeah, that's, that's the big idea is how can you get 
they contrast a go-getter mm-hmm. versus this idea of go-giving. Yeah. And uh, the hustle, the grind, the go get yours, the build, the, all of that kind of stuff, which is all right. But it's like there's got to be um, maybe like a, a different driver. Hey, turn your mic right. this way. It's actually on the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, just let it flip it towards me more. There you go. There we go. Yeah, right. now so, I got you. Now I got so you. yeah, it's it's almost like a um, you know trying to see who the driver or what the driver is for your life if you're going down this path of. Uh, of success. So he introduces into those five laws of what they call stratospheric success. And, um, and I think that's the, the big one is what you just said. It's like it immediately runs you into uh, my idea of success is if the door's not open, I got to go knock the door down. Mm-hmm. If I'm not a door knocking down type of person, I got to go out there. And as they use at the beginning of it, it's like I need somebody with clout and mm-hmm. leverage to yeah. be able to, to get there. Nothing wrong with any of those. Mm-hmm. And kind of the big thing that the book is centered around is giving at the core. It's like yeah. giving. Mm-hmm. And the question that got me on the front end was he said, um, uh, I think Joe asked him the question about, um, you know, it sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy or yeah. something like yeah. that. Like you're talking about giving, giving, giving away, doing mm-hmm. work for free, all that. You're going to run out. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, it's not that asking if it makes money is a bad question. That's a good question. It's just not the first question. Mm-hmm. The first question should not be if what I'm going to do is going to make me the money that I desire. Mm-hmm. The first question I got to ask is, does it serve? Mm-hmm. Does it add value? Am I actually giving in a sense of making other people's life better? I use it like this with the students in the classroom. When we go down the route of real estate or something like that, I say, y'all ever heard the word of appreciation in a home? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, you, know, you make the house go up in mm-hmm. the price. I'm like, yeah, how do you do that, though? Mm-hmm. How do you actually make a house more valuable? In a good market, like, mm-hmm. how would you make a house more valuable? And they go down a list of things, right? They're like, ah, uh, you could paint it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you could paint it. Uh, what else? Uh, remodel, like, put a new kitchen in, a bathroom. And I was like, yeah. I said, now, how does that look in a person's life? Like, how do you add value or something like, you know, actually serve someone in the sense of appreciating them? Mm-hmm. And usually we say, you know, we usually say something like, if you did something for me, I'd say, I appreciate that. Yeah. That's just being polite. Yeah. That's not actually appreciating. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you may have done that for me. If I've done something in your life, mm-hmm. um, for me to appreciate you is to actually make your life better, bring you to a, a greater or have have more, be more in quantity and quality. Mm-hmm. So whatever that is in your life, my issue, my job then uh, is not to see what can I get out of it, but what can I put into it mm-hmm. to appreciate your life and raise it. So we use those illustrations like that in the classroom. And I think that's what the whole book is. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can I appreciate people? How can I raise their value? How mm-hmm. can I raise them to be better individually with their business, with everything that they're actually attempting to do? i got to find my way of what do I have, resourcefully mm-hmm. or in my own hand. What can I do to actually enhance your well-being, your human experience? Like, we can get real general or we can be real specific. How can I appreciate your law firm? Mm-hmm. It's like, I love the work you do. Well, that's nice for being polite, but you're trying to open up a couple of offices. Yeah. What can I do to appreciate it? Is there connections? I know resources. I know that's how you would be a go-giver mm-hmm. in that sense. Well, I don't know if that makes sense. But. No, actually, that, I think, clar- clarifies yeah. some of it in the book. One of the things I did like that it, it covered, though, is I think a lot of people hear these type messages, and then deep down, though, kind of like Joe did, they're like still thinking of themselves, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're still selfishly motivated versus altruist, altruistly motivated. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And uh, the book kind of addresses that. And it doesn't make you a bad person or a terrible person. It's actually normal. So, and I think that's important for even viewers to to realize that, you know, we all are human. Yeah. And I think we all struggle with a lot of the same things. Um, and, you know, some of it's trying to keep up with the Joneses and, you know what I mean? Like, well, you're going down a road now. About, uh-huh. about a month ago, you had a guest on. Uh-huh. Uh, I watched it, uh, Ed Doyle. Yes. And you asked him a similar question about, you see, like, he's everywhere. It yeah. seems like he's doing a lot. Yeah. And I asked him this before. I'm like, uh-huh. bro, bro, how you doing? Where, how are you everywhere? Don't you run out of gas? And he's like, that's my juices. Like, that's where yeah. I get it. And there is a difference. And I think the deeper you dive into a principle like that mm-hmm. from a go-giver, and, and I'm talking with it now through our church, is this, uh, we're going through a particular reading about poverty, riches, and wealth. Mm-hmm. And like, what does that look like? And one of the questions I'm asking them is, what's a, a limiting belief that you have about yourself or a limiting belief you have a view or a limiting view you have of God and him wanting you to be wealthy and then your default setting mm-hmm. of that keeps you from actually pursuing that type of thing. And so if Ed comes along and starts saying, I get my juice, right? The juices are flowing by doing it. The real quick, it's not that um, when I go to think about me, it does that. It doesn't have to be that I'm selfish. There's a difference between the whole being selfish versus self-interest. Mm-hmm. It's like if I'm not putting myself in the best place to where I have what I would call an abundance. Mm-hmm. An abundance doesn't, you can calculate that how you want. Everybody's life would be different. But the abundance would be what I got to have enough of fill in the blank, mm-hmm. of whatever, so that I can help somebody else. If it's money, I better have enough to take care of my family. If I don't have enough to take care of my family, how am I going to feed or help anybody? Mm-hmm. It's not happening. We know this. It's elementary stuff. Sure. So when I'm talking about this to this group of people that we're doing church with, we're doing the same thing of going down this wealth mindset. Is like to be able to get past the selfishness versus self-interest, and Joe has to deal with the same thing, mm-hmm. is I asked my wife this. I put her on there. So April, if you hear this, <laughs> is we asked her, hey, what's one of these limiting beliefs that you had? And one of the things was a religious belief that she had. Mm-hmm. Like growing up, there was no um, importance placed on the acquisition of wealth because there was this belief about, hey, you know, eternal things are more important. You could die any minute. You can't take money with you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, and, mm-hmm. like, that's fine. Um, all the way down to any other set of belief you could have that would keep you from getting into this place to be truly successful in the sense that you're growing, number one, so that you can help other people grow in whatever area it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I've read, so that book opened up some questions. And see, I'm constantly, I, I, I attempt to be very open to self-development. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be 44 this month, and I'm still I still like to think I'm open minded and that I can often accept that I'm wrong. You know what I mean? So I've read this other book. <laughs> this is bringing another topic I'm gonna ask you about. Uh, just finished it two days ago. The subtle art of not giving a I, f. I've read that. Oh, have you? Okay. I read it last year. Man. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it was good. And so, it, and just for those who don't know what the book's about, it, it, he, the guy writes with humor and it's got some language in it, but it's really more that it's not that you don't care about things that you're selective about where you place that energy that's right and so um i find that interesting and one of the things it was talking about was contentment um and like contentment i.e happiness i guess and that a lot of people that accumulate success traditional success 
are then ultimately not happy because they're constantly looking for the next thing. And, and I like to, I, I, I'm not, I'm never content, you know, personally, but I do uh, try to have certain aspects of my life where I'm happy, you know, like, mm-hmm. like for instance, with my wife, I'm content in that I'm not looking for another wife, you know, I've, I have an amazing wife, but at the same time, I want our relationship to always improve. You know, you gotta, you gotta do work on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in business, I, I like my businesses to be successful. And usually the metric, like I changed the metrics this year. I, I, I every year, uh, right after Christmas, I have like two or three days to myself and I just think and plan on what's this year going to be. Right. And so this year, one of the things I've shifted with the firm is instead of the first metric being that we're going to make uh, a certain amount of money, gross revenue, right? The first metric is customer satisfaction. And then, and then I'll discuss with the staff on what that's going to look like to hit that first metric. But the first, me- and kind of it was influenced by the go-giver, okay. is that the first thing I have to do is be better serving my clients. And then number two will hopefully be fulfilled because of number one, right? Mm-hmm. My point, though, is that I myself have fallen victim to, I don't want to say keep it up with the Joneses, but I guess what I rated success, how I uh, gauged success was some in some way materialistic. And I'm learning now that I think that was a mistake, you know, that I don't think that would ever make me happy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And part of it is like one of the goals one year was I wanted to get this car. Well, I get the car and well, then, well, now I want to get this other car. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I want this watch and then. And that's just a constant cycle. You know what the Buddhists call it? What's that? Hungry ghost syndrome. Hungry ghost syndrome. Yeah, it's always like the uh, iPhone 14. Yeah, you got to have the next thing. It's always chasing that that next thing, and it's a a hungry ghost. I think you can't capture it. Yeah, I think it's dangerous. And I think Mm -hmm. I feel bad because I feel like in the beginning of where I started to maybe get traditional success, I was very flamboyant with it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I may have misled some people that that was the metric that young people especially. And I... At this point, I don't. That was not the right metric. Yeah. I think that if you accumulate more and you can better your life, your family's life, and your community's life, that's a plus. But I think at some point, there's a. I don't want to say a point of diminishing returns, but you know, there's only so much, so many watches you can have, and so many, mm-hmm. you know, really, and that's not as fulfilling. That's right. You know, I, I'm also trying to do better at building relationships with people I have a lot of respect for. Like you mm-hmm. are on my list. I, yeah. I think you're a very charismatic person. Like you're very intelligent. I think you genuinely try to help the community, and um, uh, I think you the way you think is progressive and smart, and it's just unique for around here. Not to say that people are idiots around here, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, you you I was just on the phone coming in here with uh-huh. a pastor, and uh, we were walking through back to this you know this thing about the wealth mindset mm-hmm. thing. It's not materialistically, but uh, one of the things I'm going into this week is literally that mm-hmm. it's to to experience this. To where you can be in a place of fulfillment, peace, call it happiness. There's got to be a particular environment and a circle of people. Mm-hmm. And God, I wish a lot of people could hear that. There are, there are certain environments, as much as you want something to grow, it can't. Mm-hmm. Concrete's not producing crop. It's, it's, it won't. It yeah. can't do that. And so we know that. Uh, but the the default is to like convince yourself that the trying and the struggle is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if I'm grinding, then it's good, and it's not good all the time because yeah. environment is probably more conducive. So when you say I really wanted to ask you, not don't name drop or anything like that, but 
what types of people are you looking to bring into your circle? Oh, yeah, no. So I thought I've, I've yeah. actually written this out. I, okay. I had this a few months ago. I even talked to Jason Cannon about it. Yeah. You were on the list. Ed Doyle's on the list. Rod's on the list. There's, I mean, I can give you the list. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind telling them because it's a positive thing. <laughs> I think, uh, and no knock on people that aren't on there. It's just, but what I wanted, I was last year, last year, one of the goals I had, and we ended up getting so sidetracked with some internal things that happened in this business, was I wanted to get a group of these progressive-minded, community-centered people. Not politicians. Uh, I, I specifically, there's a few people that I think are great in politics, but I still feel like they're almost. I just didn't want people that had encumbrances. So I felt like there were some local people that are leaders that if we got together and pooled our resources and brain power, so much positive could come from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I even had an idea. Like I, I forget what what the acronym was, but it had like an acronym, and I even designed a ring for it. Oh god! I thought everybody could get in. pinky rings. <laughs> yeah, no, I was all in, and I was like, then they would know they were in the group, you know. Uh, but the whole point was this: to try to have sort of an altruistic group that's goal was betterment of the community, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when you talk about name dropping, some of those people I just mentioned, I feel like are. You know they're they're independently successful, but at the same time, I, I do think they really do mean the, they have the good but, intentions for the community. But why do you need it though? I know you. Oh think yeah, for so the community. But why do you? Yeah, need so it? well, first of all, I think that you're you're limited in scope to what you can do on your own. Yeah. So I mean, alone you can only do so much, good or bad, right? Um, the second thing is, I think you're the sum of the top five people you're around. And so I'm very careful, especially as I get older, because, you know, time is fleeting. You know, every day is a blessing. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know if God's going to give me another day. This may be it, you know. Yeah. And I try to maximize each day. And so I try to not waste time on people that are negative or energy sapping. I try to focus my time on what's going to benefit um, benefit my me, my family, and my community ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I'm trying to really be careful with who's in that circle, you know. And that's why I want to spend more time with you and some of these other people I've mentioned. Um, You know, but sometimes life gets in the way of that. (laughs) It does. It does. Interesting. Interesting. Circles are important, man. Yeah. It is. Well, well, circling back on the wealth thing or success, what do you think? What what do you think is a good gauge for people to use on success? You know, what is success? What do you mean, a a gauge? Well, like what I'm saying is I think I was wrong. A few years ago, I gauged my success oh, yeah, based yeah, on yeah. how much money I was making, gotcha. if I had certain physical items, material material items, and at this point, that was man, a mistake. That's know? such a good man. That's one of those questions. I think everybody will uh, will wrestle with it. I'm walking with walking through something now with my wife, and it really is. Um, I'm reading this book called Who Not How. Okay. Get that one. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, God. Get that. I'll get it. I'm reading everything. It'll talk about what we're talking about right here. The who is more important than the how. Mm -hmm. So who you know, all that, and uh, getting the right people on your team. Mm -hmm. Um, But in one of the – I can't remember what chapter. doesn't even matter. One line he comes out, and he says, uh, commitment is identified by results, not by what you say you're committed to. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, the action's more valuable than words. Yeah, and and the fruit of your life currently – like whatever you have produced right now, good, bad, mediocre, it doesn't matter, is a result of what you have been previously committed to. Mm-hmm. So I say that when you say what's the best gauge to go about success, happiness, that kind of thing, is that in your life, I don't want to say these things just naturally happen, but in a sense they do because 
you kind of go by where your actions and then whether you like it or not that's up to you you got to make the shift mm-hmm. but what you value is where you spend the most time and money and resources and energy true again if you value tv a lot and you spend it doesn't mean it's just going to produce the success you may want mm-hmm. so um you've got to be like unbelievably brutally honest mm-hmm. like one of the greatest things for a student, a real student in life, if you're going to be a student, the real student is not the student that says, I want to learn. The real student is the one. These are good ones. The good students not only say, teach me something. I'm open to learn. They're the ones that come back and ask the question to the teacher, where do I suck? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I bad at? Because you want the feedback. You need the feedback. You do that to find out if what I'm doing, how I'm operating, is getting me to the path I want. So if a person is saying, I'm sitting here gauging myself, man, I'm looking at it and saying, all right, where is the most peace? Am I gauging it by the higher power? Is it God? Is it the Bible? Is it myself? Is it society? Is it the money I want? You can come up with a numerical number any day you want. You just yeah. pick one and say whatever, whatever that thing is, that's going to be your idea and your version of success. Uh, that may be dreamy and fantasy. The truth will be in... Where have you been committed and what are you actually working at? That's where it gets real. That's where it gets raw is that if you can actually, you're doing a journal right now. If somebody actually wrote down what they've produced this year, even if it's minimal, it doesn't matter. And then they got to answer the question of, is that what I want? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm finding out. You want the best gauge for success? Answer the question, what do you want? One of the easiest things to say, you'd be surprised the majority of people cannot answer specifically. Not that bull crap about, uh, what do you want? I just want to be happy. No, mm-hmm. no, we're not What's talking about What's the specific about metric for it? What is the specific? What I mean, can you actually bring yourself to say it? Mm-hmm. Write that down. Make a plan of action to say, I'm going to go after that thing because, for me, that's what I want. And so what is the actual thing? So if it's me, one of the things I'm looking at is an acquisition of an apartment. Mm-hmm. I want that. I spent time in Dallas last year. I'm getting around circles of people that's going after part that have apartments. There's multimillionaires that's doing it, teaching it, showing it. Mm-hmm. Well, right now I've caught myself. And I was like, wait a minute. You've been studying it. But where is the plan of action? Are you going to lay in the, the limbo of mm-hmm. like just studying, reading, catching glimpses here and there? If this is something you want, you know, there's got to be a plan. You find out that that's where the truth comes in. So I don't think it's in the material thing. I think there's got to be whatever the thing is, whatever the success path you want to say is, would have to be mapped, would have to be specific. You'd have to ask those questions. You pull the layers off of it and you're like, hey, hey, I I know what success is. I'll tell you what I want. I want A, B, and C. Great. Now we got to get down and ask why. Yeah. Why do you want this? What's moving it? What's the motivator behind it? Uh, and then we can identify, hey, is that a healthy thing? Is that unhealthy? Is the flashy car and watches, is, mm-hmm. is that is why I want it? Is it to get you to point A and point B? Yeah. From point A to B? Is that why you want, you know, the Lambo? Is because I need to go to the grocery store? Yeah. It's fine to have a Lambo. I'm just saying. <laughs> but is yeah. that why? Is it I'm racing or something? So yeah. I think that might be a thing. You know? Yeah. So I, I agree with all that you said. The one thing that I am, am trying to advance through, though, even on that analysis, because for years I've been very goal-driven personally, mm-hmm. and then I advise other people to be goal-driven. But if you think about it, um, like, and I'll tell you this example. 
Uh, David Goggins talks about it in his book. Uh, I just read his second one too. The uh, was it called? Uh, Never finished. Yeah. It's his new book. It's pretty good. It's not as good as the first one, I don't think, but it was worth reading. And then I also read Atomic Habits. It's another one I read. In this I started. Group. I hadn't got through it. Yet. Okay. Yeah. And it's pretty good. And yeah. so one of the things he talks about in Atomic Habits that I found very interesting because I think it refl- I, I notice reflections on it in my own life. This principle is that you set goals, and goal setting is good. But again, you don't want your whole life to be driven by, because the problem with goals is a marathon as an example. So I ran the St. Jude Marathon in 2020, 2021, 2021. I ran the St. Jude Marathon in 2021. I I trained the whole year to run that marathon because I suck at running. Mm -hmm. I did terrible, but I did finish it. And it was just a personal thing to get through that, sort of motivated by my son in the Navy. But anyway... The point, though, was I ran that marathon, and it was a terrible experience actually running the marathon. And as soon as I finished, I told my wife, I was like, I'm not running again. That's it. And then I didn't run at all for like six or eight months after that. And uh, in the book, he talks about people will set this goal they're going to run a marathon. They run the marathon, and then they don't run again. Like there's no future benefit from that goal accomplishment, and now they're looking at the next thing. So what he talks about is you've got to focus on the processes and journey to Mm – and you've got the sort of, you know, a goal post or a check post along the way is this goal you set. But if you focus more on the policies and uh, methods, then you'll maintain, you'll build habits that you'll start to follow and not just because you're accomplishing the goal, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also had a bunch of other good principles in there. Like if you're at the beginning of it, you see that 1% improvement every day, which I think is great for everybody. Anyway, I said all that to say this. I'm trying to focus not just so much on the goals but I'm trying to live in the process mm-hmm. because I think in life it's so fleeting. And um, uh, th- the reason that I bring this up is we, so uh, Saturday night, James uh, is my law my law partner. James is my partner in the cellar with Brian, my other my law partner, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a three of us that own the cellar. So James, uh, every quarter or so, wants us to go as as sort of a team-building thing together and do something. So usually we go to a nice restaurant and compare it, okay. and then we'll go to do some deal. So we went Saturday night to Highlander, which is in Collierville. It was nice. Um, and we I didn't think the ribeye was as good as ours, but anyway, <laughs> it was nice. And then after that, we went to this pirate thing, this random pirate thing he found in Memphis. And uh, anyway, after that thing, we left and we were driving on Front Street and went right by the law school. And I had already been fussing that night because Brian and Laura, his wife, my law partner, his wife, rode with me. And I had been fussing about something that's come up with the firm and something we're dealing with. And so anyway, we're driving by the law school and I was looking at it and I said, man, I said, you know, that was three rough years. Like I I remember Mm -hmm. driving down there with no gas money in my minivan that was half. I was just lucky if it cranked, right? I can remember not having lunch. Like, I wouldn't yeah. even get to eat because I was worried about the kids eating, didn't have a job, was trying to get through law school. So stressful. And Laura, who's a psychiatrist, brings up uh, Brian's wife. She goes, yeah, and if you were, if you saw fast forward now, this is, I don't know, 10 years in the future, from where you were, you would think you're successful right now. And uh-huh. you'd be like, man, I'd love to have those problems that you got. <laughs> and she's like, but yet you are so present where you are, you forget, you know, sort of where you, and that's very accurate. That's it. Yeah. So anyway, talking about all these goals and everything, that's one thing I'm personally trying to get better at is not, I still set goals and want to accomplish the goals, but I want to focus on the journey through the goals, you know? Bro, so you bring, that. that's, (laughs) 
you are exactly right. If any of us looked at 10 years ago, yeah. and now, now you're like, God, man. All, <laughs> yeah. I'm all in such this, a great spot. I should yeah. never open mm-hmm. my mouth again to <laughs> yeah. complain about anything. And this yeah. is something, if I can be biblical for Sure, me, sure, man, please. There is, there is something that I'm always reminded about. I got a text yesterday from an 18-year-old young man. He graduated Brighton High last year, um, just recently went through like this spiritual conversion mm-hmm. thing, and he's really like trying to dive in more, just yeah. being sensitive spiritually, trying to walk what he calls right and everything like that. And he said, I just finished. This is what his text was this morning at 6 o'clock, right? Uh, by the way, that's how you got to disciple people when they text you at 6 o'clock in the morning. But uh, he said, um, he said, I just finished reading Exodus, the book of Exodus, and it seemed like we got so much in common with the people today. And then I said, you don't say. And we go through having this dialogue between each other, and, and we were making a list mm-hmm. of, of what you could see in that story versus our life and everything. And one in particular, one in particular that always seems to get me, is that the one of one of the common threads is that there is um, an, an emphasis placed on those people with these words: "Do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out." Yeah. <laughs> so it's always a difficulty when you get into a place that is um, the newness from where you previously were. So these people were slaves, right? Yeah. And now they're free. Well, they don't care about being free because they're not eating while they're free, and they're like, I want that food. Yeah. Give me that food. Now it's like, uh, uh, what, what just happened? You, you were screaming and crying about being in here. Now I got you out. Now you're complaining about what I'm giving you, even though you think what you had was better. And so there's this constant thing. Now we get out. Now we're good, but we can't wait. We can't wait on Moses. We need something else. So we build calves and worship them. So we, there's a waiting thing. There's a patience thing. There's all that. And so... It leads me to always remember. I'm always trying to remind myself of this gratitude, this expression of thanksgiving. And it's not saying like we teach our kids to be polite. We don't teach our kids gratitude. We actually teach them to be polite. I agree. When somebody tells them, you know, somebody does something Mm -hmm. for them, we say, what do you say? Thank you. And your kids say, thank you. We're not teaching them gratitude. It's just being polite. Gratitude is when you actually go there Mm -hmm. to where you can feel it and it moves you. And you're like, crap, man, this is so good to be in this spot with some microphones when it was just an idea or Mm -hmm. something like that. Or, man, I remember I was just telling the story uh, Sunday. I was like, I remember helping start a Boys and Girls Club. I make $400 a month. Mm -hmm. Go feed your family on that inflation. Okay? Go do that. You can't do that. And now I said, um, but I walked through. And said, hey, these principles of the go-giver, I was actually sharing that with them. So these principles I walked through, now it's six figures. Mm-hmm. $400, a month, $400 a month to six figures is way different. And now I'm sitting here saying, well, how can I get I got to get something else. But I got to go back to saying, hey, don't, don't, don't sit there and go back and like, oh, man, I'm unworthy. No, you're worthy of it. Mm-hmm. You're worthy of what you got right now. But I got to be. Real well, thing. another thing I've done, and I'll show you this when we get done. I've, I've got it in my office. I keep I keep another journal with me that's like my goals journal and track yeah. it. I'm trying trying some different things this year. And one of the things I did, and uh, the staff probably hates it. Josh has probably got his over there. I started making every Sunday evening, I make all of them a, a task list for the week. 
And it's got on the top part over there the goals for the firm, their individual goals, so we can meet and discuss how I can help them accomplish their individual goals, and then the individual tasks for the week as a way for me, as a, sort of a metric for me to see if they're being productive, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I've done it for myself. I've got my own goals sheet. And on mine, it's got a gratitude section. And I added that because of the go-giver. Because uh-huh. I've been, I, I feel like I've neglected that. I feel like I haven't been, uh, haven't shown gratitude properly. Not the way God wants me to or the way that I should have regardless. And so I, I, what I have on there is it's three check boxes where just, because I, I try to do what's attainable. Each week, I have to do three things that show gratitude for someone else. And that's one. I've also got cold plunge on there for three times. And man, that one's rough. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Because I don't have a cold plunge tank yet. So what I do is I just turn the shower on and get in until it gets warm. I've been wanting to do this. I get in the shower, but I hadn't done the plunge. Yeah, well, I think think the shower might be worse because it takes my breath. And, and, you know, it's hitting you. And I think I haven't done the plunge, um, not officially, but... But in any event, my point was, I got this sheet, you know, and so it's funny you bring up gratitude because I'm trying to do that also. Yeah. I'm trying to show How that do you better. do it? How do you do it? See, that's that's what I'm curious yeah. about. So, is, so, so far, I've, I've, I've only done the two weeks because we're uh, yeah. two weeks in, two or three weeks in. So the first two weeks, what I did is I wrote thank you notes. That's okay. what I did is I actually did a thank you note. One of them, I put a gift card in it. And that was, and it was unprompted, and it was just because someone had done something that I was very thankful for, and I wanted to show some gratitude for it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's so wild, man. That's kind of an easy cop out way, but it's just st- again steps towards showing more gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to be much much more present and content in where I am, because again, if I look back, like I did that martial arts thing, right? So I've done that place forever, thirty plus years, yeah. and <clears throat> I remember when Sarah got pregnant. We were in high school. I was 18, she was 17. I was teaching karate, and I was making like $60 a week is mm-hmm. what I was making. And I, I, I vividly remember this. I remember when we found out she was pregnant, all these thoughts go through your teenage brain. You don't know what you're going to do. Your whole life has changed now because I had to decide whether to be a man, I guess, stay up and mm-hmm. you know be the good. My What I was raised to think was a good That's man, right. you know, be the daddy. Or uh, follow what my other plan was, was I was going to the Air Force Academy. So, I mean, I... I had decisions to make. But what I remember is in that moment, I remember thinking, I don't know how to write a check. That's what I remember. <laughs> I was like, that's what made me nervous. I was like, I'm supposed to raise a kid and I don't even know how to write a check. Yeah. Right. But if I look back from that 18 year old boy to now, oh man, uh-huh. that 18 year old would think I'm just this demigod, you yeah, know, over yeah. here with the things that, but then it's still, I struggle with contentment where I am now, you know? Yeah. I'm just trying to get better at all that, be more mindful. That's good, man. That's good. Some gratitude practicing. That's, yeah. That's funny you did that, man. That was uh, last week I did the same thing. Really? I kid you not. Uh, the gentleman I met in Dallas mm. um, that's into these apartment deals, mm-hmm. he invited us to his house um, day after New Year's Day. Go to his house, hang out. First thing that we do, walk in the door, see this guy. Uh, remember, I only met him you know, one day sure. in Dallas and he lives in Mississippi and that's was the connection. I was like, Hey man, I'm not, you know, I'm 50 minutes from you. Go down there, uh, opens door, wife smiling. She's cooking us a meal. Like she knows Sounds like your Pinder situation. Bro, yeah. it's wild, man. She's <laughs> cooking us a meal. She's like, we're having Chinese and she's cooking this stuff. And it's like, dude, it's rich. It's, it's a man's meal. Mm-hmm. She's not giving us a little plate. I mean, she's giving it to us. So, uh, he takes us on this huge patio has everything laid out. And I'm just observing everything. I'm like, look at the hospitality, man. Look, mm-hmm. this guy. 
knows how to treat guests. Man, this is great. Teach me, old wise man, right? Go through there and do it. Man, we spend like four hours with this guy picking his brain on everything. And, uh, and I remember um, asking him a question about some specific thing in there. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was a particular question. I remember his answer to it was um, his wife had written a handwritten note. Oh, they were trying to purchase a property. And they were um, interested in this particular property. He said instead of them, instead of sending them uh, like a, a certified letter of some type of, um, you know, something where they're saying, hey, I want to look mm-hmm. at your property. I want you to consider our offer. He said, my wife wrote a handwritten note, put it in the person's mailbox. And that was the way they called us because of that. It was like personalized. Mm. So I heard it and I was like, hey, when I had that experience with him, I went back the ride home and I'm talking to the young man that I was with. And I was like, bro, we're writing that man a letter because they value letters. Yeah. And he, his wife wrote a letter. We're going to write him a letter. But it was because of the feeling that he gave, the, mm-hmm. the experience that he gave. I was like, man, I feel so good about this. And how can I express it? It's like you can't give that man money. Yeah. You can you could. I mean, you yeah. can give everybody money, they should take it. But how what's the expression of it? I think that's what it is. What well, it, sometimes I don't even know if it's because the person that you're trying to get to receive the gratitude values it or not. I think some of it is for your own spiritual growth mm-hmm. to give the gratitude. You know, like a lot of young people nowadays, especially, I don't know that they value uh, notes or thank you notes or whatever, but old school way, that's very valued. It's kind of like Christmas cards that are kind of falling by the wayside. Yeah. So sometimes I think it's just the act of taking the time to write it and send it into the world, and it's almost like positive karma, you know? That's right. That's right. It's got to mean something to you. Mm -hmm. Like whatever actually give that you give time and thought to, that's the greatest expressions of gratitude. You know what sucks? Giving socks for presents, <laughs> Christmas presents. Don't do I don't that know. Crap. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you need socks. Yeah, yeah we need to stop all that. I'm putting uh-huh. everybody on notice right now. When Christmas comes, birthday comes, do not give anything that somebody can just go get. The, you know what my wife gave me this year? What's that? Dude, she gave, got me this Christmas present. I'm a bit, by the way, anybody out there listening, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. Football, baby. Go Irish. Okay. Listen, listen. Uh, this year, I never even showed interest in this. Uh We go to Notre Dame at least once a year. Go to Notre Dame in October, me and my son, my cousin. While they're up there, I'm FaceTiming my wife. My son, we see these Letterman jackets. They're like, I don't know, three, four hundred dollars, right? And uh, the guy, the store we have is like a memorabilia store. So really nice material, leather jackets, all this real nice stuff. You get out there and, and I, FaceTime her, and I was like, look what, look what my son, look what Micah's got on. You see that jacket? It's pretty nice, ain't it? Michael, you want that? You know, that kind of thing. No, Daddy, I don't want it. My cousin's got one. He's really thinking about buying one. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He puts it back. Uh, that's it. End of story, right? That's October. I come on home, don't think anything of it. This woman proceeded to spend two weeks calling this store, having conversations with this man that owns the store, talking to my cousin, trying to find the exact one, Ends up, I open, she says, I got a gift for you. I open this thing up and I see it. I almost cried, bro. I, yes, I did. I literally, <laughs> a tear came up, dude, and I pulled it back. I like had to put my head down. I guess I say that because, like, if you're talking about gift giving or expressing, I don't think we give gifts just because I hope we don't. Mm-hmm. I hope we're not giving gifts 
just to be seen or to make us feel good. Mm -hmm. Because we feel good, we're giving it. And in return, we're hoping to have an impact on somebody else. So this gratitude, I would hope, my wife's listening, I would hope that she would give that because she loves me and she's expressing some thankfulness, gratitude, love, expression type thing. And man, does it register. It registers when you do the thing that you know would really impact that person, make them feel like that. So I think I think we miss it a lot of time. I think we give people what we would, I think we give people what's convenient. Mm-hmm. And I think we give um, what's comfortable and what we like. Yeah. And I don't know if we really pay attention to the other person. So if you really get into like gratitude, man, and the expression of it, it'll get into that other side. So like, you know, even if you're going in spiritual stuff, like what does that look like with God? How do you give God something? Well, you got to find Well, I'll tell you, know? you on that, on, on uh, that's one thing that Ed really struck a chord with me roughly a year ago or whenever he first got here. I went to the first church under the tree they had, yeah. the very first one, and I vividly remember what he talked about. And what he was talking about was how we pray. And what struck me on it was he was right on what he he said because often my prayers had become robotic. It was I'm laid down in bed, I say the same thing, we, you know, look over the kids, look out, look out for us, keep us healthy, thank yeah, you, man. and that's it. And it's just robotic. <laughs> it's not passionate. Yeah, it's not uh, you know fervent before an all powerful God. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he, he talked about on your hand, the five steps of prayer, right? And one the very first one though, was you give gratitude to God. Yeah. The first thing is thank God. And I hadn't been doing that. Okay. So that was something that in my own prayers, I tried to, to develop. One thing is, as we were talking though, that I wanted to mention too, cause I'm curious what you think about this again, as I've done this self-reflection the last few months, I'm trying to make this year a year of personal growth for me. Okay. So a lot of the goals that I have, and the reason is, I feel like if I focus on me on personal growth, it'll in turn help me reach more people and be better in the community and serve my my family and clients and everybody better if I'm taking care of personal development. So anyway, mm-hmm. on the sheet I also have, and this is another thing I'm struggling with, so I'm curious, because you and I are similar in a couple of ways. I think I'm a little more ADD than you. <laughs> yeah, you but, are. Yeah, <laughs> but I've got... I've got quiet time, which could be meditation or whatever. Okay. I've got three sections. I'm supposed to do 15 minutes three times a week of quiet time. Cannot do it. (laughs) It's really killing me. That is the real prayer right there. Yeah, yeah. That is. That is. Because we could go to... So, I mean, I've been in this spiritual Christian life, I would say, uh, since 99. So what are we at now? 23, four Mm -hmm. years-ish? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in the fr- front uh, six or seven years was uh, the praying to God, seeking God with expression. Mm-hmm. I soon found out when I got to Ohio, I got taught by a, a, a gentleman who taught Hebrew. So he taught me from an Eastern mindset. And everything shifted from my prayer or gratitude and pray expression to God as being external or something that I can say uh, as prayer, the things I need to ask, request, talk to God about. Uh, to more of uh, very much being quiet Mm -hmm. and went all inward. Everything was inward, and I found out that communication at its deepest level was not seeing if I could get you to understand me, uh, but the amount of energy and concentration it takes to actually listen. Mm -hmm. Even in this conversation, like to have a meaningful conversation, I would 
you both we would all have to be participating yeah. in some some level of listening. Mm-hmm. And there's different levels of listening. It's like, man, I can listen to what you're saying so that I can make my point. Then there's active listening, you know, where I'm actually asking, seeking, you know, throwing more questions at you, trying to gain a little bit more insight, find out who you really are, what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Do that with God. And what does that look like? I'll tell you, it don't look like a whole lot of nothing in the first <laughs> beginning. When you do it, you're like, I'm just sitting here quiet, dealing with my own thoughts. Yeah. Boy, is that a nightmare. I mean, I did a, a, a small study. This was three years ago in my classes at high school. Yeah. Kid you not, like I got three classes, usually 70 to 80 students. Mm-hmm. I asked all of them, like how, 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 many, how many of you along the lines, a question, a variation of this question about uh, how easy is it for you to be alone by yourself, quiet, without phones or anything like that, with your own thoughts? Yeah. I think the number was like between 73, 70-something, in the 70 percentile. Of all the, those kids, 70% of those kids said, I don't want no part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want any part of being by myself. I need noise. I need something. <clears throat> I think that speaks to something, man. That speaks to, like, um, the, the amount of uh, stimulation that we're just accustomed to having. Yeah. But being able to get to a place where you can go find out, not just you, man, but, like, I really believe this. I really believe to your core you came from, you are spirit, man. You yeah. come from that. It'd be really helpful <laughs> if we could hear from that area of our life. And that really, t- talk about the exercise. That is a constant pounding of the pavement. You got to go back to it and keep going. But you'll find some of the greatest things there. Yeah, I think that's where you find it. Matter of fact, that, that's the answer to a lot of the questions that we have about the success question. Mm-hmm. That answers the question about, it? yeah, the decisions that you're trying to make. When you go to the place of like, oh, man, should I take this job or should I sell my house? Should we move? What circle of people do I need to be in? Get quiet enough mm-hmm. so that you can eliminate or bring down all of the, the noise around, yeah. you know, the, the influences around you and get down to like core stuff. And you'll get the answer. Yeah, I think people really struggle. You're right with that. And there was some study I read recently that was saying that the the current young teenage generation their attention span is less than that of a field mouse. A field mouse has a longer attention span, and a lot of it's because of the phones and all the stuff. It's constant. I mean, think about even compared to 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. The amount of stimulus that people have, the amount of knowledge we have access to is so voluminous compared to what it was. Um, One thing, though, on this quiet time thing that, again, I always – value it. It's important at different times to evaluate yourself, where you are, especially with businesses and stuff, where you're going to go. And you can't do that with noise. You got to have time, right? But when I ran that marathon, I bring that back up because it was a big cathartic thing for me. The whole point of the marathon was I was so, I struggled the whole year with the fact that my son was in the Navy and he was going to the SEAL program and was going to potentially face evils that I had never faced even as a cop. And here I am, my whole life been a father, and I was struggling with who I am okay. if I'm not his dad. Every business I had done and everything was motivated by bettering my children's position. Yeah. And so if my child is in the world and I can't do anything about it, I was really struggling. Yeah. So it started in February. We had a real bad snowstorm, and I started running. I just got up, and it was like, if he's running, I'm running. 
and like he was in boot camp. So I took off running. I remember I was crying and it's snowing and I'm running <laughs> and thinking about my son and, you know, so anyway, fast forward, I decided to do the marathon, uh, had a running group and everything to support it. Even got these, these bands right here, uh, yeah. uh, is carry the boats was the group, okay. right? For Alex. So we get to the marathon. Well, I had earbuds and I had downloaded books and podcasts and stuff. You're ready for the journey, I was man. Ready because I knew it was going to be some time, right? Yeah. So my pot, my ear, my earbuds, AirPods didn't work, and I had even brought a backup, and they didn't work. Yes. So I had to run the entire marathon in my own head, uh-huh. pain, the whole thing, wanting to quit, quit, not quit. Uh, it was that was the most difficult part. The yeah. physical part sucked. But the fact that I was in my own head for six hours mm-hmm. oh, with nothing but the pain and grind of it was a lot of self-reflection in that six yeah. hours. So I, I do think that people should better value quiet time both for spiritual needs, but also just mental clarity, you mm-hmm. know, where you're going and direction you're going to go and things like that. Like you said, analyzing what your goals are. Um, but you got to make it a priority nowadays. So There's so much noise. If you're doing 15 minutes a day, right? Well, so, three times a week. So I'm not doing. Right, right, I need to do it every day, but I'm only trying well, three times well, a week. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious. So, what do or what have? What was the attempt? Like, mm-hmm. how do you position yourself? It's almost like the question I asked about uh, not how much sleep do you get at night, mm-hmm. but how do you prepare to go to sleep? Yeah. Does anybody? I mean, I don't know if anybody else does. I used to do it good. Some days I'm good. Some days I'm not. Yeah, I'm not good at it. Yeah, like do you just <laughs> do you fall asleep? Like you just go unconscious? Yeah, no. Or is there a preparation yeah, I, I, I for? I definitely it? don't do that. That's you don't do it. You just fall asleep right wherever yeah. you lie. That's where. You lie. <laughs> and that's it. But but I ask because how do you enter into mm-hmm. the 15 minutes? Yeah. Is there well, a, I guess I haven't gotten a pattern yet because okay. I've really tried to make it a priority these last few weeks, the last couple of weeks. And I tried initially just literally, like, so my wife goes to work before me usually. So in the morning, there's a little space there where I'm alone. Okay. And so I had tried to start it by sitting on the end of my bed, sitting there, closing my eyes, being with my thoughts. And But uh, I struggle with um, my, my, my thoughts wonder, you yes. know. And so in meditation, and a lot of the Eastern philosophies with meditation, they all have different things that they focus on during the meditation to try to center their thoughts. So, for instance, some of them will focus on their breathing. Some of them will focus on the ring of a bell, just mm-hmm. the ding of a bell, and try to keep the brain there. And then you let your thoughts come and go, and they just sort of wash over you. And I've always struggled, and I do think it's because I'm so ADD. The one that I felt like I got the most success out of, though, was I did the cold plunge. I got in the shower, freezing cold. It was terrible. It takes my breath. It takes about a minute and a half. For, I know because I time it. Yeah. It's about a minute and a half for the water to warm up. Water warms up. I do my business in the shower. And then I would sit in the hot water, like with it running on me, because the monks would do this, too. Okay. And I sort of focused just on the water. And then I tried to focus on my breathing and thoughts while I was in there. And I did seem to get some peace from from that mm-hmm. way. And I pray. I pray mm-hmm. during it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like it's all prayer. It's just sort of wherever my mind takes me that's um, right. on the focus. So, uh, yeah. See, and that's even goes, gets down to, like, your belief in how God even hears you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, think about it for a minute. If you're sitting here saying, all right, uh, like, you just used two different words. And I wondered if you meant the same thing, but you were saying, I meditated, and then when I was in the shower or something, and I prayed. Mm-hmm. So, so I've gone to the place of saying, yeah, you're doing the same thing, right? It's like I'm reading this uh, nighttime little children's book to my three-year-old daughter, and it's called Peter's Perfect Prayer Place. And everything in the book, 
is Peter is trying to find a place because he knows mommy is praying in her room. Mm -hmm. And so he says, um, I need to find the perfect prayer place like mommy. Maybe I can pray in the kitchen Mm -hmm. under the cabinet with all the pots and pans. And he gets in there and he's like, no, it's too loud. And then he goes to his uh, tent and he's like, I'll get in there and pray. No, it's too dark. And it walks him through this whole step. I'll go outside on the swing and I'll pray out here. No, it's too noisy. Cats and dogs are in the picture and it's running. Yeah. And he goes through all of this and he sits down with his daddy. And his daddy says, hey, hey son, uh, you got to know that God hears you wherever you are, right? And he gives him that encouragement. like, it doesn't matter where you are and it doesn't matter when you do it. Yeah. God will hear you all the time. And it's one of those, well, he changes his mind. The, the young boy is like, oh. Well, now I know God is good because he hears me wherever and I can pray anytime. So what I'll do is, and he focuses on, he identifies, I can do this anytime, but as long as I'm doing it. And it's one of those, like, do we go there in the thing? Sometimes we get lost in the, in the practice or the specifics of it yeah. and, and maybe lose the heart of it. But um, I think it's interesting, man, when you go down the meditate or the verbal pray, and it's one of those, like, where is God and how do I interpret God's relationship with this whole experience if that's what I'm actually doing, right? Because I don't know. I mean, sometimes meditation and prayer means different things to different people. Yeah. Well, it's one of those, like, I, I, is it just to get in touch with me? Is it get in touch with, you know, something greater than me? You yeah. know, I got I to gotta find that out. Yeah, well, I'm open to – I talk to all kinds of people, you yeah. know. I mean, I've – I'm professed as a Christian, and but my views on Christianity are probably unique compared to a lot of people. Okay, and uh, okay. I'll even talk about that. I don't care. Yeah. But my point is, like, what's uh, the most unique? I'm sorry, I got to, I got to. What's the most unique that you think? You think the most unique view you have in in if you if say for this area, I okay, would say we'll go this area. Yeah, so I everybody would say listen, we would be this area for this area. Right. I feel like I don't think all other world religions are necessarily wrong. Okay. I think most religions are based on the same creator. We just interpret it differently. Mm-hmm. So I think that Allah in the Muslim faith is the same God that I worship. Yeah. Um, they just don't view that Jesus is, they think he's a prophet, not a not part of the Trinity of Correct. God that, that I believe, right? But I think it's sort of similar. Uh, I also think that in like the Hindu faiths, I think that uh, even though they have different, you know, uh, so supposedly different deities for different stuff, I think ultimately their their lead god is the same god. Okay. And I also think that, <clears throat> well, I, I don't think you have to go to church to be saved, and a lot of people around here would agree with that. But um, I, I think that it's more about what you do in action as a person than it is about actions at church, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I, in my opinion, as long as you uh, profess that, you know, Jesus is the Son of God, He's your Savior, He died for your sins, you're a sinner, and you ask for forgiveness, yeah. you're a Christian, and yeah. you're going to go to heaven. Yeah. And there's a lot of other components we can argue over, but to me, they're just not as relevant. That's, you know? yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating, man. Yeah. That's fascinating. Even, the, even to the church thing. Mm-hmm. It's like... Uh, uh, even the view of church, you know, be saved. You know, you said you ne- doesn't necessarily have to be uh, go to church to be saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty accurate, pretty accurate. Uh, definitely like connection and community. Well, and I it's think one it, of those. I think it helps reinforce staying on the path. Oh yeah, but um, 
you know, I think it says that where two or more are gathered in my name, well, yeah, exactly. I, I shall be there see, also. This, this is a point of contention with me, is that there is a slight difference. Historically speaking, even the way the emergence of the whole, and I'm going to use a word specifically for this area, uh, the institutional church, mm-hmm. right? So there is an institution. I struggle with the institutional church. I just, I, I can't. I can't. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for me, man. It is because... Uh, it's it's different from an institutional establishment of where people um, can congregate versus those same people developing, nurturing, and intentionally pursuing some level of relationship out there. Now, of course, the institution will argue back and say, well, of course, that's why we design it with small groups in mind and connections and stuff like that to where they can kind of incorporate people in there. And that's all well and good. I've been part of all of those. Uh, the, the, the unfortunate thing that's lost is that when it becomes institutional, the institution has to create culture. And by creating culture, they usually emphasize certain components of what they want to put out as, as what they call spiritual worship or activities. And by doing it, they have to use a certain amount of money to do so. They have to use a certain amount of money attention, energy, uh, efforts, everything goes toward the main thing that they're trying to bring people into. That's what makes it an institution. And and so it gets down to the path of consumerism or theater. And sometimes Sunday is one of the greatest theaters you ever will be yeah. part of. Unfortunately, theater is not what we're supposed to do if you're going to experience God on a big on a particular personal level. And so it would happen inside community. So I struggle with the idea of Matter of fact, I'd challenge any institutional church and pastor right now, please, I'd love to have a conversation uh, with how you do. And I'm pretty versed in it. I've helped plan a couple of churches over the years. And so I'm very familiar with it. But how do you make big things small and not small commercially? Like it has to be genuine, organic, and authentic. Like how do me and you get a chance to talk? Like there has to be intentional pursuit behind it. So if you ever get down to like this real intimate relationship with almighty God, it has to happen. Number one, it has to happen with people. Mm -hmm. How do we make that or how do we experience that authentically where it's not commercial driven, where, you know, I'm trying to get, get people to a particular event uh, for 50 minutes or something like my Christianity cannot be 65 minutes on a Sunday. Come on, man. It can't. Yeah, and we know that. But. I've, I, so I mentioned all this to Ed, yeah. right, back when one of the first times Ed was on here. And uh, I don't think he knew – we hadn't discussed anything beforehand, just like now. He just yeah. come in, sat down, we start talking, and I kind of gave him my spiel about against organized religion. And then what I liked was Ed's church under the tree thing answered every objection I had. So I showed up. <laughs> so I went. I went several times. I haven't been in a while. It's my fault. I'm a terrible person. Uh, Sunday's at 3 o'clock. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's – out in the open, because one of the other problems I had is I don't like how some churches discourage certain people from coming, regardless okay. of race or gender or sexual orientation yeah. or all that. Jesus didn't. That's right. You know, Jesus went and hang out with the the. Well, see, that's the flip, though. That's uh-huh. the flip. If you really start digging into that, just one thing you just said is that not only did Jesus not forbid it, Jesus wasn't in the business of saying, "Come and see me." Mm-hmm. It was the complete flip. That's true. It's like Jesus was mobile. Mm-hmm. He was mobile. We're very rarely are we mobile anymore. Yeah. We we would we game plan and facilitate an attraction for people to come meet us That's inside true. our controlled environment. 
Christians are very uncomfortable with going into an environment that they can't control. Yeah. That's going to mess some stuff up. And so you got to be skilled at that. You cannot just be a canned, biblical, answered Christian, packaged up, wrapped up in everything, getting people. Most people that share their faith is usually a church invitation. Mm -hmm. They don't share their faith. They invite people to their facilities. That's what they do, and they hope the pastor takes care of it. Yeah. But owning the responsibility of me serving, communicating, sharing my faith and what that means on any level. I mean, it could be— I would challenge yeah. you then uh, to come to one of the church. I don't know if you've been to the church under the tree. Oh, yeah, I've been a few times. Okay, because, you know, he allows everybody to share. Of course. You yeah. know, you give your—sometimes uh, your testimony, mm -hmm. your own insight into things. It's not really necessarily one person preaching to you, yep. and they welcome everybody in the community there. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I'll, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it, and to me— it uh, countered, there's no money. He's not asking yeah. for money at all. I mean, Ed funds it all himself. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't know if people know that, but he feeds them all. Generally, it's out of his pocket. Right. The whole thing is his time and his money, which is why Ed is such an anomaly, man. Like, yes, I sir. still don't have him figured out. I no. told Ed this. <laughs> Ed, uh, we don't have you figured. We know. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't have Ed out, figured man. out, man. Like, I feel like he's, I, I told somebody, uh, my wife and I were talking about it. Ed, to me, he definitely wants, it wants and tries to be, you know, one of the most genuine, greatest people you could be around. I really think so. But I think that Ed might have some monsters back there that he's trying to keep <laughs> at bay. And uh, he doesn't, he's, you know, he's got them back in uh, and he's, he's protecting them, uh, protecting us from them by doing all this positive stuff. Us so. from yeah. Them. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, but that's why I connected with Ed uh -huh. was when he moved here. I didn't know who he was when people told me about him, but when we, me and my wife left the institutional church. And by the way, I love, everybody in the institutional, mm -hmm. just the model, the method of it, it's not attractive to me. We started meeting in our home. So I got like 14 people that meet in our home every week. Hmm. And we do groups outside different parts of the day or different parts of the week on Wednesdays and other days. And and we did that when I heard about Ed doing it. I was like, yeah, that's it, man. That's how you rock out right there. Yeah, bro. You yeah. get with. And so meet out in, the, in your workplace and all that and, and do it on some real stuff, man, mm -hmm. so people can get the actual experience of what we would call God. Uh, I think that's powerful, man. I do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, man, I really enjoyed talking with you, Brandon. I hate to cut you off, but i got to go do trivia here in a minute at the cellar. Trivia. <laughs> you ought to come to that. It's at 6.30 every Tuesday at the cellar. That's good, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it, man. Have Thank you been you. out? To, have you eaten at the restaurant? I can't remember if I've seen you there. I've asked somebody. No, I asked Sarita Austin uh -huh. about it, and she said it was great, and I have not got a chance well, to Well, you have to let me know when you're coming. We'll take care of you. It's, I'll tell my wife. We're very, uh, I'm very biased, but... I think we have really good steaks. So it's a. Uh, what is that like steak every night? I, I've been eating steak almost every <laughs> night. Look, Brian, Brian uh, called me yesterday because sometimes we'll go there for lunch, just right. the couple of us. And he was like, You want a ribeye again? I was like, Man, I'm about ribeyed out. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like yeah. they're good, but you can only eat so many ribeyes. What's this? This is the seventh, what is it, 17th? Let me get there this month. I'll yeah, get yeah. there this month. Give me, yeah. a, give me well, a holler week. at me. I'm there, right. I'm there three to four nights a week. Um, and then James, the other partner, is there almost all the time. He manages the place. But I do the events and the branding and marketing. Okay. And so tonight we have trivia. I'll be there for that. I'm usually there when we do the music acts on Friday. So good it's stuff. good. It's a bumping place on the weekend, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I love your TikToks, too. Well, thank you very much. I was watching and thanks one for letting us come to your class. You're coming all the time as yeah. long as you want, man. Oh, yeah. man. Well, you just let me know. I love going and doing it. Obviously, I don't mind running matter my mouth. Of fact, matter of fact, I'm glad you said this about the circle. And if anybody... And, and I'm not putting it out here as an advertisement or anything like that, but there's something that I've been personally wanting to do. Yeah. And that is collect a handful of men 
to to have a regular meeting of something with their area of expertise with faith and all of that mm-hmm. to be able to equip empower ask questions have a time out for mm-hmm. in your case uh what, what's the drink you have right that's uh, elijah craig <laughs> elijah craig my <laughs> yeah. god i've never heard that in my life yeah. i've never really heard. elijah craig's one of the i've never heard the that. standbys for bourbon i mean when my wife just told me hennessy i was like <laughs> yeah i don't drink hennessy <laughs> but uh, it would be cool, man, for any guys that's like wanting to connect, growing their faith kind of thing, just to be able to to help and serve. In that well, kind so of as a side note, real quick, yeah. we used to have up here when I first joined with Brian, what we called a mastermind session. Yeah, okay. And all it was was like Saturday or Sunday afternoon, a group of us guys would get yeah. together and we would literally talk about what's your goals, how can I help you, okay. facilitate, what you know, advice on those goals. And uh, man, I'm all, and I'll even open up to the office for use. We have a conference room. If people want to meet, we can always come here and use the office. We'll talk, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. all about it. You got to get people that are open minded though for growth. That's right. And you know, a lot of people, especially when they've they get old in their head, they're not physically old, but they get sort of old thinking that this is where they are, and then they just stay there. Mm-hmm. And you want people that I think you have to have people that are willing to be open to growth. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So, well, man, I love you. Thank you, bro. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Thank thank you guys for watching another Law Talk. Uh, Again, I want to thank Brandon Armstrong for being on with us. Oh, where can they find you, Brandon? If they were... If Where, they're going to look you up, if they're going to oh find you on God. social media. Yeah, find me everywhere. Facebook, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I hadn't put anything on TikTok, but that's coming soon. I told you before, mm-hmm. I think, when we started. And you may be doing a podcast, too. Yeah, podcast coming soon. Uh, me and my wife are working out some details on that, but that's going to be coming. So, But, yeah, get in touch with me. Facebook, I pop up every now and cool. then. On there. Well, when you do all that, we'll have you back on. we we'll talk about it some more. You got it, man. Uh, where are we at, Josh? TikTok. Make sure you <laughs> check out our TikTok. I have to see the lower thirds. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, we were just talking about our TikTok. We got, you can make fun of my hair and my accent. It's fine. <laughs> I don't care. NA, the band, uh, Wonder Girl's out right now. It's a free single they have. You can download the full album on Valentine's Day. It's all free. So please go check out NA, the band. They're on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. And Michelle Allen, we're just talking about real estate. She'll hook you up with some apartments. She's your go-to in the area for buying, selling, rent, leasing real estate. She's uh, just genuinely a good person, too. She's been very supportive of the kicking lawyer. And we have Mason's High Octane Martial Arts located in Covington since 93. We're on our 30-year anniversary. Uh, you want to make your own kicking lawyer or black belt, just give us a call, masonsmartialarts.com. And uh, the seller's where I'm headed right now, 630. Mm. Every Tuesday we have trivia. Friday nights we have live music, great food all the time. Opens at 4 p.m. daily, so you guys come see us at the seller. And then Masonite Digital Marketing, Josh is ready to help you with your online presence, whether it's websites, social media posts, etc. He'd be glad to help you. And you guys that listen to the show, first of all, I thank you a lot. But, you know, always leave comments if you have any um, ideas or thoughts about the things we talk about. I, I think I can speak for Brandon in that both of us are very open to learning and growing. And so sometimes you guys can give us some insight into things that we might have said and, um, you know, we either need to reconsider or think about or it would just like to have your input. So please feel free to leave comments. We'll be back hopefully live next Tuesday with another Law Talk. As always, I hope you guys have a good week. Keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.